from Relay FM. Welcome to Connected, episode 189. Here's a fun fact. Casey Liss once called this the world's greatest podcast. He was right, wasn't he? He was right. He was. Yeah, he was. Rest in peace, buddy. <laughs> it's brought to you this week by <laughs> Linode, Pingdom, and Hover. You've already heard one of my co-hosts, Mike Hurley. Mike, how are you? I'm good. Very good. That's good. Federico, you're there somewhere? I'm here. I'm just listening to your sweet, sweet voice. You sound really Thank nice, you. Steven. Thanks. Um, uh, I think Mike and I are both about half an octave deeper than we normally are because we were just yep. in Atlanta doing some stuff, which we, we will... Uh, what's, that, uh, what's that in the metric system? In an octave <laughs> deeper. <laughs> how, many, how many decibels is that? Can you, can you provide that? I don't that think a, that that is... No, it's the same thing. The, Shut up, oh, Mike. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're off the rails early. <laughs> Shut up. I hate you. It's uh, 70 decibels. That's how many it is. It's one of them. Okay. All right. So you were saying, Stephen, I'm sorry. Where were you? So Mike and I, we were in Atlanta. Mike did a live episode of The Pen Addict, his show about fountain pens and high-end stationery and notebooks and stuff. It's mm-hmm. an awesome show. Um, had like 100 people turn up. We filled the room, which yep. was very exciting. So if you were there, thank you very much for, for coming. It's always good to, uh, to hang out. We did a live episode of Ungenius, which is, Mike, it's your and I show about weird stuff on Wikipedia. <laughs> totally a podcast. Yep. We did an episode of that as like a, a warm-up act. I think it went really well. I will have links to those in the show notes if you want to go check them out. If you haven't uh, heard those shows and they sound interesting, go listen to them. I think you'll enjoy them. Yeah, I, I, it was fun to do the shows live. It was also fun when I realized that I was my own warm-up act. Yeah, it's true. I don't know how I feel about that. Look, when you're a leader, mm-hmm. you have to... Sometimes you've got you to get in there and do stuff that... Lead by example, ...doesn't right? seem... All that exciting. Mm. So it was exciting, though. Co- we, did, we talked about toilet co-founder, paper. yeah, co-founder and warm backed and toilet paper explainer. <laughs> uh, I've been around the town recently. I also filled in for Fraser on an episode of Canvas. You did, with Federico. Yeah. We spoke about using multiple iPads. That was fun. So you can go check that out too. I'm just all over the place right now. I can't be stopped. Okay, won't stop. Always on worldwide, you may say. I, yeah. Speaking of which, we have oh, some. That's really? good. We have some. Good. We? Oh, we, we have some Apple Music follow-up um, from our friend Russell, mm-hmm. uh, which he, he says he lives in Australia. I still don't believe fully believe that, but he says he does. Um, what proof does he have? I mean, exactly. Every time I feel like I'm always seeing Russell in the United States. So for all you yeah. know, for all that I know, he could be an American in disguise. Um, I mean, maybe he thinks you're an American in disguise, though, by that logic. I oh, mean, that's po- wow. that's possible. That that is mm-hmm. certainly possible. Um, and he was so he's. I think he sent us uh, on the on Slack a, a note about the Apple Music su- subscriber numbers that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago or last week. And mm-hmm. he said that one of the reasons that Apple Music is popular in Australia, it's because they're basically giving away uh, paid subscriptions um, with phone contracts and with uh, carriers. So, And this is actually, uh, once Russell mentioned this, um, 
stuff like you can get a six-month plan uh, with your carrier and you can get a six-month subscription to Apple Music. And I thought about this because I also, um, I see this stuff in Italy all the time, uh, especially with Spotify, um, but also yeah. with Apple Music, yeah. the carriers, they do these promotions and you see them on TV. Mm-hmm. So there's like this um, this talent show that people watch in Italy. Um and they do talk about this kind of uh, promotions that you get if you sign up with uh, because Vodafone is uh, is one of the sponsors of this program, and I believe they have some kind of Apple Music um, deal. So yeah, yeah, I forgot about this. This happens in England too. Um, EE give away six free months. They even gave it to me, but like by that point, I'd already signed up, so like I couldn't do anything about it. It just seemed like a big hassle. But yeah, it is a thing that they do already. But whilst this is a good point i think a bunch of people brought it up in when we were talking about the fact that apple have no trials right like that Mm -hmm. we were saying that it was impressive because there's no free tier and i think a bunch of people brought this up as like oh they do have a free tier but like this isn't the same thing in my opinion like this is not a free tier this is like a benefit that you get from your contract right like i i I think what i was surprised about and remain surprised about is you can't go to apple and just try out their music service for free there has to be some kind of value exchange going on because that's you know and, and i think that that's really interesting because then why are so many people signing up for apple music just to pay for it when spotify has a free plan and then that pushes you towards the paid plan so i thought that was interesting but yes of course there are a, a probably non like a like a, a sorry a significant percentage of people are using apple music maybe tied in with some carrier or something but the numbers are still impressive nonetheless i think because i mm-hmm. would expect a lot of people that could put in that six month thing don't cancel it. Like they just roll on and then it yeah. becomes a thing they pay for. Yeah. Kyle's the gray, uh, my son is doing good work in the knowledge base. And he, he provided us a link in the chat, uh, to a support article talking about what countries and providers offer Apple music oh, wow. through the phone bundle. So it's in Australia, Germany, Israel, Mexico, Portugal, South Korea, and the United Kingdom. So, I was not super aware of this, and so it's cool to see uh, that uh, that it's a thing. Yeah, it's impressive. It's in the K base. What I remember must be some kind of Spotify deal, and for the Apple Music part, I think, and this is totally against uh, net neutrality, but I believe that my carrier used to offer a plan or an option that made Apple Music streaming on cellular not count against your monthly quota. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's also a thing that carriers do. This is what EE do in the UK with their six-month plan. It doesn't count against your data during that period. Yeah. So you get yeah. the you get the, you get it for free, and you get the data for free as well. So yeah, yeah, that does happen. Yeah, that's a real interesting net neutrality question that we don't have time to get into this week. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention just something that I think people should go and see if they haven't seen. Um, host of Query on Relay FM and uh, editor at Imore, Stephen? Is Serenity uh, an editor at Imore? Senior editor? I think. Senior editor. Basically the okay. boss. Senior editor. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't work out exactly how high up she is. I know it's like the very top of the tree, but I wasn't sure how big the tree was. Uh, Serenity did a wonderful video review of the 2018 iPad of Apple Pencil. This is one of the best product review videos i think i've ever seen 
because it does what I love so much about what Federico does a, bu- a bunch, where kind of bringing in some like emotional, personal experience into a review, whilst also talking about the the product itself. Um, it is just a wonderful like video about iPads and how they enable creativity. And the thing that's even more impressive about it is the entire thing was made on an iPad as well. And there's stuff in this video. I don't know how she did it. Like there is a bunch of like editing tricks and stuff. And like, I was really surprised when she said it was all done on the iPad. Like I now need to check out the end. She does a great thing. Shows all the apps that she uses. And I need to check out some of the video apps because there's like some picture in picture video stuff that she's doing. And I don't know. I mean, I didn't know you could even do that on the iPad. Like this is just a wonderful, wonderful video. It's like six minutes long and it is so worth your time. And if you haven't seen it, change that you should see it it's really just excellent mm-hmm. yeah and the article on imor has uh, an explanation of uh, some of the tricks that she used cool uh, so okay part of the entire workflow uh is an app called luma fusion which i highly recommend uh-huh. it's the it's the kind of the sequel to what i used uh, to use for video editing on my ipad pro it used to be called pinnacle Pro, Pinnacle Studio Pro. Now it's uh, called... That was the one you used for the uh, hip-hop video, yes, right? Yes, yes. That's the one. Now it's called LumaFusion and it's $20 on the App Store, I think. And it's really, really powerful. And Serenity explains how she was able to uh, speed up the videos by um, using the built-in speed-up tool up to 6x. Mm-hmm. And sometimes she wasn't fast enough, so she kind of saved the video, re-imported the video again, <laughs> and sp- sped it up again. Uh, that's great. Really clever. Yeah, so go check out the video and then the make of article because it's really good it's like what i think one of the things that's so impressive about it is she made an incredible review about a not interesting product ultimately right like that this ipad itself it didn't have anything that was super surprising we knew everything it could do because other ipads have already done it all but yet she still made something that was super interesting which i think that i mean that shows her talent so yeah it's excellent and i really loved it which is very very good but there was also uh a more hints i guess an iphone se this was from nine to five mac today there was some regulatory filings uh with is it the eurasian economic commission which every time i see that i think of george orwell like there's just something about eurasian (laughs) i know i know what the word means like and i know it's a real thing but like every time i see it it's like it just trips something in the back of my brain big continent (laughs) it really freaks me out but anyway um there's there were some more approvals regulatory approvals uh that suggest an iphone uh, we saw this recently with ipads right and that ended up becoming true because an ipad was released so logic would dictate at this point that if there is any iphone going to be released it's probably going to be an se right because we've seen the red iphone uh, iphone 8 it's very unlikely, in my opinion, you guys can disagree if you want, that we're going to see any kind of change to the iPhone 10. It would seem, logically, that the SE would be something if there was something just around the corner. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't see any reason Apple would break from the September release cycle for the other phones. Like I said, we just saw the Red 8. So I can't imagine anything else going on in the eight line either. I mean, the only I think the only weird thing about this is that there are several models listed in this paperwork, and it kind of seems like 
a high number. I think it said eleven uh, different hmm. different model numbers appeared, and that well, seems really high. So, like, well, if like three colors, three, you know, yeah. three uh, storage sizes, it's not. Yeah, well, I mean, well, I know the storage sizes up, don't change the, the model number. I don't think. Oh, really? But, um, hmm. but it may be know. that. So there's some countries listed in here that haven't that don't have the SE now. So maybe there's some like regulatory stuff that they've got to do different right. model numbers, different things. It's it's a little unclear, but the SE is the only thing that comes to mind, right? Like I don't think they're gonna, you know, have a new like low cost, you know, new phone, right? Like like oh, it's a it's a 6s, but it's in a plastic case, so we're calling it the 6sc. Like I don't think any of that's going on. The most logical thing uh, is that it is a new iPhone SE, and. You know, it seems like we kind of thought it was going to be this spring, and so okay, maybe it's going to be late spring or early summer, but that's still roughly two years from when it was uh, announced. Uh, if it's not the SE, then I think we're in for a surprise, but uh, it seems like to me like this is kind of like the end of the window for the SE2. Like, if this phone is going to get an update, it seems like it's now or never. Like, if, if we get to September... And there's still no no SE2, then it's definitely not happening. But it feels like if Apple's going to do it, now's the time. And, uh, and you know, I think this kind of goes with that thought that we're going to see uh, an updated low-end phone, which would make a lot of people, including my spouse, very happy. Yeah, I would expect, if I was going to put money on this, it's an iPhone SE that supports wireless charging, but not much else. Like, I don't think it's going to be any significant differences, but... I reckon it'll support wireless charging, and it comes out at the same time as air power. To do that, they got to change the case. So uh, that may be more than they're willing to do. I would not be surprised if it does not have wireless charging, uh, honestly. Well, my only thinking is just because I would expect anything would come with air power. I mean, I expect everything's going to come with air power, right? Like, as in an announcement time. So, yeah. like, any press release, in theory should also include air power. So like oh, that's yeah. how I tie it up in my brain, right? Air power. That like <laughs> air power still has to be released. Yeah. So if they release air power alongside a phone, that phone should also support wireless charging. Like if air, if air power had already come out, I would expect that the iPhone SE might not include wireless charging. So I don't know. Well, I mean, I think I see what you're saying, but I think that's a I think those two things aren't tied together at all. Like air power is going to ship whenever it ships and the SE2 will ship whenever it ships and if they end up together or apart, that wasn't planned a year ago. You know, um, I think the name of the game with the SE is the price point. And we have built this model or this enclosure for a really long time. And it's super cheap now for Apple to do that. And switching the metal back for glass would disrupt both of those points that I think are like key to the SE's existence. So I'd love to be surprised. I'd love for it to have wireless charging. Um, but I just don't, I really think it's going to look the same as it does. It's just going to have the guts of a seven instead of a success inside. We'll see soon, I guess. Fingers crossed, right? Yeah. There was conversation on Twitter this morning that I wanted just to kind of visit, um, Stephen Trout Smith and a few others were talking about, Hey, that this filing shows that these phones are running iOS 11 and there's, there's kind of been a separate discussion about, does it make sense for like like what is iOS 11 uh, and iOS 12 and the differences between them and what it's going to look like this summer? Um, but anything released before September, regardless of what happens at WWDC, is going to run iOS 11, right? That that unless this phone is has leaked really early and historic. So historically, we should back up. Historically, things show up on this list three to four weeks before Apple announces them. 
And so we could assume by this that whatever is in these model numbers is shipping before WWDC and well before September. So even if Apple released a new iPhone in August, which would be bananas, it's still going to iOS 11 and not 12. So I think the idea of like, oh, these are in iOS 11. What does that say? I don't think that's like a, a thing because iOS 11 is here to stay until September. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit more about that, I think, after the break, right? Yeah, we should talk about that because there's a lot that can get tied up with that. It's like what is 11 and what is 12? So let's take a break and thank our first sponsor of this week, and that is Linode. Linode give you all of the tools that you need to make sure that you have at your fingertips powerful hosting options. Their prices start at just $5 a month, and you can get your own virtual server up and running in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Linode offer industry-leading performance with native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have over 10 data centers, I should, that they now have, I should say, 10 data centers spread across the world, making sure that you'll be able to serve your customers even quicker than ever before. Linode offer an API to allow you to easily automate tasks or develop your own custom applications in the cloud, and everything is manageable via the command line. All of Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing, and they have a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and no balances. Linode has an amazing option in pricing. They have plans to start at just one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month, and they go all the way up to with plans starting at 16 gigabytes of RAM for their high memory stuff. That one gigabyte of RAM for only $5 a month plan means that you can get four free months with a $20 credit that I can give you. If you sign up at linode.com slash connected right now, go to linode.com slash connected. You'll get $20 towards any Linode plan, which will get you four free months and their one gigabyte of RAM plan. And you'll also be supporting the show. They offer a seven-day money-back guarantee, so there's nothing to lose. Go to linode.com slash connected to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit. Or use the promo code connected2018 at checkout. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, so let's talk about what we think is going to happen at WWDC. So we spoke about on this show, I think Federico put it in his picks for the year, and then there was some kind of, I think there was a Bloomberg report that seemed to suggest the same, that this version of iOS this year would be mostly like, I don't know, a spit and polish release, right? They're just going to make sure that everything is is tidied up. They're going to make sure that all the bugs are taken care of. And that is going to be like Apple's public focus of iOS 11, right? Like stabilize and improve. No more bugs, right? To try and get rid of a public perception of buggy software. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case... What is best to name this version of iOS? Do you want to call it iOS 12? Because that would denote there's going to be some new features, which there obviously will be, right? Like they're not going to release a version of iOS without new features, even if they are focusing mostly on bug fixes. Or do you double down and call it iOS 11.5, let's say, to say like, hey, we're still working on iOS 11. We're making it as good as it can possibly be. So because of that, we're going to hold off the big features and we're going to make this the most refined version of iOS ever because we're going to work on it over two years. And there are some hints towards this, I think, in the sense that iOS 11.4 is still to drop. And Federico, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but has Apple ever got to a point four before with iOS? Uh, I think with iOS 8, there used to be iOS 8.4, but that was uh, three so four years rare. ago. So it's rare. 
It's rare. Yes. Right. Like if they ever do it, it is it is very rare for them to do. Um, especially because they're still they still have iOS 11 features announced. iOS we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. iOS 11 announced features that have not yet shipped, like messages in the cloud and AirPlay 2. So I guess really that one of the big questions is like, what's in a name? What is the best mm. name for a version of iOS that is for bug fixes primarily? If you're going for that from a marketing perspective, do you call that iOS 11? Or do you call that iOS 12? And then on the flip side, well, what if that's not going to be what you'll focus on from a marketing perspective? Like you are going to focus on it, but you have other things too. If that's the case, do you go with iOS 11 or do you go with iOS 12? Federica, what do you think? I think there's two variables that we need to consider right now. Um, The first one is just how big an effort it is for for Apple, this project Marzipan. How much time and resources they have invested into building this solution, according to the rumors, to bring iOS apps to the Mac. And like, what if WWDC comes by and of 90 minutes of keynote, uh, an entire hour is dedicated to project Marzipan. And we have 30 minutes to talk about watchOS and iOS. Is that possible? I don't know. Is that likely? Maybe. I have no idea. It depends how big this project is. Um, and the second variable, I think it's all uh, it's all in the messaging. It's all in the what does Apple want people to think about the next version of iOS. And this is a, this is a fascinating um, marketing and also kind of strategic um, problem to have in the sense that the if you call it iOS 12, um, on one hand you have the 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 new factor. It's new. It's got a new number. Uh, people people get curious. People want to install it because it's new. It feels new. It's uh, it's got a new name. On the other hand, it's yet another major software update, and people have kind of gotten scared and afraid and worried about software updates because they break things, they make their phones slower, and iOS 11 kind of confirmed all of these conspiracy theories that we had for years. Um, but then you may say, well, what if what if Apple comes out and says... Um, Yes, we know it's a new software update, but we promise for real this time. Um, this one, iOS 12, it's got a new name, but don't be scared because we focused on fixing things and making it faster. It's got, you know, this chart with no, you know, this basis chart of crazy performance improvements and all these bugs fixed. So you got to install it. It comes out in September. Uh, it's really wonderful. We promise you're going to love it. Or do you say... Well, we wanted to focus on improving the foundation of iOS. So instead of going towards another major version, we're working with the one we have. We're releasing iOS 11.5. It's got minor changes for developers. There's going to be a beta and SDK. But our primary focus this year is to make it faster for everybody. And I kind of understand why some people think that the second um, timeline is possible that it's 11.5, that there's no real iOS 12 because we haven't heard any rumors. But that's a major break with tradition. And it's also potentially, you know, not calling it iOS 12, not saying that there's a major new version of iOS. Um, I wonder if the possible negative consequences that you that, that Apple may face there like what if the new iPhone comes out and it's it's still running iOS 11 people don't don't see the differences people don't buy the new phone okay there's going to be a bigger phone but 
how important it is for the software that runs on an iPhone to convince people to get the iPhone. You might say, well, people just want to buy an iPhone. It doesn't matter what software it runs. I don't think that's entirely the case. Um, I think people people are interested in the new phones because they also have new features and new features are made possible by software. I struggle to imagine Apple doing iOS 11.5. I find the theory fascinating, um, especially if Apple truly wants to double down and say, no, 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 we're not doing 12. Uh, we're postponing everything to next year. This year, we're going to use what we have and make it better. Man, that would be really different from the entire history of iOS, essentially. So, I don't know. Um, I think the maybe... Uh, I guess the the that kind of messaging, that kind of um, saying, we want to improve things, we want to make it better, we want to fix bugs, can coexist with it's called iOS 12, but don't be scared because it doesn't introduce all these new things that will break your phone. I think the two can coexist and can be the same OS. It's got a major new number, but also we focused on stability and speed. I. I- you know, looking at the landscape, so, you, you know, you mentioned the history of this is a new iOS update every year, which, like, in and of itself, before we talk about the future, that's an incredible track record, right? Like, I, um, a couple of months ago, just spent some time kind of looking through old iOS keynotes, and the rate of improvement, especially in those first four or five years, was bonkers, Um but we are not, to your point, in this first four to five years anymore. And I think if you look at the at the industry as a whole, you can see that there are there are other people thinking in this way, right? So like Windows 10, uh, Microsoft has said it's like the last version of Windows, right? It's, Windows 10 is now sort of the brand, and they have big updates, like they call them creator updates, the last couple ones because they can't come up with another name, I guess. And it's, you know, it's updates to Windows, but it's still Windows 10, right? Um, that's different than what you had on the Mac, where you had a decade of Mac OS 10, and now we're several years into the Mac OS era, but each version still had its own unique branding. And the updates were larger or smaller over time, but they still had, still had unique uh, names and, and numbers and stuff. So I think if we're thinking about like iOS 11.5 as being... It's the iOS 11 you've had for a year, but we're making it better. We're focused on these things. That's more like the Windows 10 idea than the Mac OS idea. And I think it's a really interesting one, especially because we haven't seen it in mobile. Like we haven't, we we're just now seeing it on the desktop with Windows 10 in the last, you know, couple of years. But, uh, you know, Android doesn't do this, right? Android has every year or so a new major version and it has its own branding and, Yes, there are lots of people who don't know what version of Android they're running, but the people who care know. Just like most people don't know exactly what version of iOS they're running, but you know the people who care, they know. So this would be a, a big change uh, and one that I think even if Apple comes on stage and, and they, they pull out the Snow Leopard card, which I, I want to come back to in a second, but they say, you know, this year for realsies, fixing things, polishing things, um, giving you the tools to do this other development work, then, uh, then maybe it's okay to to sh- slow down to have that that number stay the same, 
But I think that message only resonates with people who are watching the keynote or who really pay attention to this. And you look at something like the stock market or like analysts, and they would say, oh, there's no iOS 12, and they rain down hellfire on Apple for it. And maybe that's enough for Apple to say, hey, look, we are slowing down, but we're still going to give it a new name. And between us, it's kind of the same OS it's been, but we need to give it a new name and a new number because there are a segment of people who are looking for that as an indicator that we're moving forward, whether or not we're actually moving forward in ways that they would deem useful or not. So like they have to walk that line. Like I don't know what the right answer is. My guess is that we're going to see iOS 12 and it's going to basically be what you predicted at the end of last year where it is bug fixes, polish and improvement. So it's not a major release by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm just going to be really surprised if they stand up and say we're sticking with iOS 11 for another year. Yeah, I I don't think that you have to keep the number the same to say that you're fixing stuff. Yeah. You can just say you're fixing stuff. And also, I think that like if you say, oh, we're just fixing stuff, so it's 11, it kind of devalues the importance of bug fixes in an OS hmm. or just in software in general. Like, oh, this is only fixes and improvements, so we're not going to... We're not going to call it 12 because that's not good enough for 12. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm, it just seems yeah. a bit weird, like in a developer conference to be like, bug fixes aren't important. <laughs> We're going to do them. But like, you know, you can't make money on those, right? Like, I don't know. Like, it just seems kind of weird to me to, to if you were going to say one thing and then not do the other. Like, you, can, you can't stand on stage and be like so proud of the fact that you're going to fix all of your bugs. And then not iterate the name of the OS. Like that's that, for me, that's how it feels. It would just be super weird to be like, we're re- we've made a strong decision. Like we're really proud of this. We're gonna make our software better than it's ever been, and we're calling it iOS eleven point five. Like it just, mm. it feels like it will kind of take the wind out of the sails of yeah, yeah, standing there and being like everything's gonna be even better than it's ever been. Like you could just call it like the turbocharged version. It's iOS twelve, right? Like it's it's but you know it's faster and better and crank to eleven. And then one more. 11.11, that's what they're <laughs> going to call it. But you know, you know what I mean? Like, I understand the, the thinking of, like, it will probably be, in spirit, iOS 11.5, right? Because if you look at how things are done in the past, like, they're not going to add any new major architectures. But, but yeah, I also, like, it. I know that we've said the term major release or whatever in the previous, like, it, during this conversation. I think we can all agree that, like, if Apple make a real effort of fixing everything it's major but like major in our vernacular here means here are the eight new features which you could never do before that are completely changing everything right like here's a brand new way to interact with the ipad here's the files app like we're not expecting stuff that big and that is what has typically been considered a major release there's still going to be new features but they're probably going to be quite small and there's probably going to be bug fixes and that's kind of a stability release or something like that right like if you were going to give them like pin little names on them mm-hmm. yeah i i do think it's interesting we keep coming back to this conversation so hi sierra hey sierra hi. hi apple didn't use that sort of language on stage they they i mean he said yeah we we're polishing and stuff but really Federighi doubled down on that during the live talk show and and i think a lot of us, including me, who put it in my headline in my review, equated High Sierra with like a snow leopard moment for like the modern 
Mac OS, quote unquote modern email mic. Because I think a lot of us feel like we want that sort of release either on the Mac or on iOS or both because we feel like things are broken or things are weird at the edge cases or whatever it may be. Like, you know, we all have our bugs that we, they really like just really stick in our minds. And maybe there's more of them now. Maybe there's fewer. You have, uh, I have a hard time of judging the past fairly because we have, you know, uh, rose tinted glasses on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so there's all that at play in this conversation, right? That like, is iOS 11 like factually like on paper worse or buggier than iOS 8, 9, or 10? I don't think it is like. Yeah, I don't think it is either. No, I, I I think it's one of those things that just got perpetuated as a as a thing. Like, I think back to something like iOS seven. Like, iOS seven was a disaster. Yes. Like iOS eleven, my phone isn't rebooting every day, right? Like, I'm not getting weird graphical glitches. Like, none of that stuff's happening. That all that that's a what I considered to be a really bad release. Like, iOS eleven is basically fine for me every single day and has been since it was released. But what people experience is different to them. Um, but I don't think that it is one of the... Like, I see people say, like, oh, it's the worst version of iOS ever, and I just don't agree with that. Federico, do you feel that way? About iOS 11? Yeah. No, I, I don't think it's the worst. I think it's it's got problems, um, maybe more than 10, because they're doing, you know, a bunch more different things than 10. Um, right. You know, like they introduced more things that could have problems. Yeah, like on the springboard, for yeah. example, uh, you know, stuff like that. I think it's more problematic than 10. I don't think it's the worst version ever. That's still iOS 7 to me. Yeah. And, and on the Mac side, you know, you can ask, is High Sierra factually on paper worse than its predecessors i would say in some ways yes uh, in other ways mm -hmm. no i think they've resolved most of those issues by now but that's you know that's something to like to keep in mind here then we're talking about we want apple to slow down like that's that's part of it but i think the other part of it this year in particular is if project marzipan is real and it's happening this year which it seems like it is then that's like that needs to go into this equation and talking about iOS 11 and 12, right? If Apple says, hey, developers, uh, we haven't really added that many more APIs in iOS 12. We've really polished what's there because we want you to focus on and we are focusing on this transition to have iOS apps run on the Mac. Like That feels like the other side of this coin to me where – yeah, be because iOS 11 on its own, like the two of you just said, doesn't really – like n demand this type of release on its own. But if you factor in this other thing that may be going on that we may be just, you know, six weeks away from hearing about, then all of a sudden this conversation makes a lot more sense to me where they can say, you know, iOS 11, you know, Marzipan apps, you know, if you're, if you're targeted to iOS 11 and you're there, then this is going to be a lot easier for you. And if not, we're going to give you another year to get to that point because we're not changing that much in 12 and really, this year is about moving all this stuff uh, to the Mac through this new fancy uh, magical framework that the three of us aren't developers, so we don't really understand. Um, that it's is just like when a, you press that button and make it a Mac app. Yeah, I think that's, that's all what it is. Be. Yeah, it's just a it's big button. Be, uh, yeah, a button in Xcode. I hope it's like a real like old school Aqua button. You know, it's like pulsating blue. Uh, no, I <laughs> hope it's shaped like a block of marzipan, right? Like it's just a little cube, and it's like it looks all nice. 
it's covered in icing sugar or something, and you just do you guys actually like marzipan? I am allergic to nuts. Oh, so okay. So can't eat it. Almond. Mm. I'm googling it. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like something I'd eat. Looks mm. good. What? Oh my gosh! The Wikipedia page has marzipan molded into little pigs. That's adorable. Yeah. So that's one of the big uses of marzipan is it's like used for um, creating little figures to go on top of cakes. Yeah. Because it's good for molding. Yeah. That'll be in the show notes. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make a note and start working on my jokes that Marzipan would kill Mike. I feel like we mm. have an entire cata- catalog of possible <laughs> jokes for the entire summer. So I'm gonna start I my note here. Uh, do you like marzipan mike no well okay so with the next episode the first episode that i take off after wwdc (laughs) you now have a reason for why i died michael Mm -hmm. and death he ate the marzipan michael and death jokes about marzipan it's now in the apple notes app dot txt (laughs) no it's not Not in the notes app not in the notes app it's in a database somewhere something something i don't know some kind of html (laughs) dot Uh, remember Evernote used to do what's the name of the weird uh, e animal? Yeah, <laughs> e animal. An animal, an animal, an animal. Oh. It's oh, an man. animal. Mm. That's maybe that was the joke. I don't know. The little elephant animal. Today's episode is brought to you by our amazing friends at Pingdom. The reason that Pingdom are awesome is because they help keep sites like ours. Online, ping the monitor your site at all times so you don't ever have to. And they'll give you real-time feedback so you know exactly what's going on whenever you need it. Let's be real, stuff breaks on the internet all the time. Every month, Pingdom detects around 13 million outages. That's more than 400,000 every single day. Regardless of whatever type of website you have, whether you're running a site just for yourself, maybe you write a site about pens, maybe you have a complete infrastructure under your fingertips. No matter what it is, it is important to monitor the availability and performance of your site. Because if you put something on the internet you want people to go to it right i think that's typically why people put things online if you have a public website you want people to go to that website if they go to that website and it's down that's a shame and you really don't want to be in that situation where somebody sends you a tweet like hey your website's down that's why you want pingdom because all you give all you need to do you give pingdom the url that you want to monitor they take care of the rest. If something bad's happening to your site, they will alert you in any way that you choose. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And then once you've done that, you'll be the first to know when your site is down. Just when you sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout and you'll get a massive 30% off your first invoice. That is pingdom.com slash RelayFM, 14-day trial, then use the code CONNECTED at checkout and you'll get 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show, their support of RelayFM, and also for letting us know when our website's down. I like, I like it when I see those emails. Like Pingdom's like, hey, there's a problem, and then I get another one a few minutes later. No worries. I like it. They don't actually say that. That's because I freaked out and fixed it. <laughs> well, that would be why then, wouldn't it? So I would like to thank Pingdom and Steven uh, in this instance for making sure that our website stays online. To, to, in my mind, it's just like, oh, it fixed itself. That's what Mm-mm. I think every time. But obviously it's you. And I've just realized that now. So thank you, buddy. I appreciate your hard work. Apple News. A few weeks ago, we spoke about the fact that um, Apple bought Texture 
well, there is a report of Bloomberg by Mark Gurman and Jerry Smith, and they're reporting that Apple is going to be integrating the texture team, even though there was some that got laid off, which apparently is a peculiar thing for Apple. Like, they usually don't do that. They usually just incorporate everybody. But I would expect it's like salespeople or you know, something, right? Like It's like an arm of texture that Apple don't need. Um, so they're going to be integrating the rest of the texture team into Apple News to help them uh, create a premium news service. So this is something that you will pay for. This is another push from Apple to generate revenue from uh, services would be my expectation, would be why they're doing this. They want to increase that services revenue. The updated news app is expected to launch within the next year with a portion of the revenue that people pay going directly to the publishers of the magazines and publications that decide to be part of this program. So my question is, why is this not just newsstand again? Like, will having a Netflix-style <laughs> subscription help it succeed more than the pay-for-what-you-want model did? It will probably have a better icon this time around. So there's that. Do you remember that? It was like a folder, but it was, it was all like wood grain. Fo- it was like a folder that opened on the home screen. Oh, very- gosh. And it was like a shelf, right? Because everything like else was linen. Yeah. Oh, man. That was the original shelf. That was where shelf. the shelf is. <laughs> That's where it was. The shelf. Oh, they already did boy. it, and, they, and it didn't work, so they got rid of it. Well, I was only five oh, years old. I'm so late. sorry, Federico. Yeah. I mean, no. <laughs> I think there's How some... How has it taken us this long? I think there's some big differences between that world and this world. So the, the texture product basically services content from within magazines and it can you can go and read a magazine or you can just go read articles and it can like decouple the content from the magazine as opposed to back in the newsstand it's like i I, like i remember getting a new macworld magazine every month and my ipad downloading like a 400 megabyte file because it was all just a stack of images right like Mm -hmm. and uh and every month i'd be like you know cursing the name of Jason Snell, this wouldn't go faster. But that technology's gone. Texture, you know, plus like the Apple News format, I think that definitely plays a role here. Uh, I think it will be a much better user experience. And if it's a better user experience, people will be more likely to enjoy it when they use it. The other thing that I think is interesting here to actually answer your question about like a Netflix-style subscription model is like, so like if I go to Netflix, there's a lot of stuff I really like there. And there's also a lot of stuff I don't care about, right? Or even actively dislike. But it's fine because I feel like what I watch out of Netflix and enjoy is worth the money I give them each month. And it's not about their whole catalog. It's about what works for me. And I think that will be a factor in this. If people just want to read, you know, three or four or five magazines or newspapers uh, or other journalistic outlets in this new system and they're paying for it, then they get to feel like they're paying for what they want to support and all that other stuff is just is just kind of there. And it centralizes, right? Like one problem I have in my household right now is like some stuff we want to watch on this app or this app over here and like we're paying for more services all the time. And that's sort of the same on the web when it comes to news, right? If I want to read Wired, I got to pay for their paywall. If I want to read the New York Times or the Washington Post, I got to pay for their paywall. You know, uh, and it can... It may not be actually that much more a month if it was all bundled, but it feels worse because I'm getting hit for five dollars all over the place, right? And mm-hmm. and with Netflix, I don't feel I don't ever feel like the cost of like, oh, I want to add a new TV show to what I'm gonna watch this year, right? Because I already pay for it, I'm already in the system. It's all I can eat. I can just add stuff as I want and I don't have to like 
feel that five dollars a month, even though for me at least, and this is like totally like I'm in a privileged position, like an extra five dollars a month is going to make or break me. That's fine. And so I've got that freedom, but that's not true for everybody. So something like like Netflix, you have freedom within that world. So I think it's really fascinating. And I think it's like already just where it sits today, Apple's in a much stronger position than it was in the newsstand days to make this work. All right, before we move on, I have a question for you. What Netflix shows do you actively dislike? That's a good question. Because you mentioned it. You were like, there's some stuff I don't care about. There's some stuff that I actively dislike. And I was like, what? <laughs> what is it that you I like? Did start some, I started something a couple of months ago that was a Netflix original that I really didn't like, but I don't remember what it was now. It'll come to me. Okay. Because hmm. it, it just seemed really interesting to be like, I can imagine you flicking through Netflix. Like, oh, God. And you have to like flick <laughs> through again because you see that thing. It just makes your blood boil. <laughs> Throw the seventy dollar Apple TV remote at the wall. Imagine, imagine like Stephen now sticking sticking like a letter on the fridge and be like, "We as a family now dislike this program on Netflix." <laughs> we are we are not a House of Cards family, not in my house. So my question is. Is this even something that people actually want? Like, do we want magazines like we want music or TV? And the reason that I think this is different to something like a Netflix or something like an Apple Music is most publications that create magazines have a web version where they also publish yeah. a lot of the same articles. Yeah. Like, you don't get, like... Like, Netflix don't put, mm-hmm. like, select episodes of their shows on YouTube, except for pilots. They do do that, but that's not my point here. It's like, it's like random. Like they don't just take like episode three and six and like upload them to YouTube. So you can still get them if you want to. Right. Like that. So like why, I mean, I just don't today. I just don't understand in today's world Mm -hmm. why you would pay, why someone would want to pay money upfront for content that they can probably just get for free on the internet. Because if something, if a magazine produces something that is really good, Right, and they're really proud of it. I mean, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but like, if they have a web version, they will publish it there so they get the views that they need. Yeah, this is where this discussion uh, loses me in the sense that if you are a publisher, you have a website. And uh, as you said, there's much more money to be made and, uh, by publishing a good story that you have on the web. And so the way that I see magazines, and there are exceptions, you know, like magazines for very specific audiences that they care about typography yes, or design. But that's, that's a totally different That's a totally model. different world and model. But the magazine, what is a magazine today? The magazine is a backup copy that comes out once a month that is physical and that you can put in the waiting room at the doctor's office like stuff like that it's a, it's a yeah. it's a backup mm-hmm. physical copy of stuff that is already online and the news are all the news is older and the facts are from a couple of weeks ago because it needed to be printed and it needed to be shipped so what is a magazine actually today why does apple need to what is a computer what <laughs> <laughs> Why does Apple need to make a service about magazines where you can just go on the web and and, yeah. and read articles that are actually from my a couple only of hours thinking ago? Is that this is that this is being rep- like this only makes sense logically to me if this is being reported incorrectly. Like yes. I just can't understand why you would want to sell magazines today. Like why you think like I have a great idea. We're going to sell magazines. <laughs> like I just don't. 
Like I, I mean, they bought a company that was failing, right? Uh, nobody, uh, nobody is nostalgic about magazines. You can make the argument that some, some people like Casey or someone else, they want to buy, you know, vinyl and that type of music releases because they have some nostalgic aspect. I mean, besides gonna, people will. I mean, okay, so sure, 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 yeah, like, whatever. Okay. I'm gonna get the comments from people that say yeah, that they sound yeah. better. Whatever. Uh, I, I, be- let's say I believe you. Fine. Nobody is nostalgic about magazines. Like, nobody wants more paper. Unless, asterisk, it's about a very specific audience, a very specific type yeah, of yeah, magazine yeah. and all like that. Like Edge. Like Edge, for example. Me and you both yes. bought Edge in October because yes. it had Mario in it. Yes. But, like, but these nobody's are, these are like, oh man, things. you know what? I wish I could read The Verge on paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who did that? Who was it that did that? Was it C something something? Who? Oh my gosh, who did CGP? it? CGP? No, no, no. <laughs> One of these... CNET. CNET made a magazine, right? Like a year ago really? or something. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They made a magazine. Oh, man. I think they still sell it. Yeah. Yeah, CNET magazine. <laughs> it's like a thing. that they And they made a physical magazine. My point is that like, magazines they, used to be a necessity because there was yes, no... Yes, because it was how you got that information. Now you have a better way. So why make a service about emulating something that is no longer necessary? So, so I think I think another distinction is that magazines were it was all bundled together, right? So you had the the cover article and a couple other big features, and then you had a bunch of smaller stuff that filled it out. And something like Wired, which I got in the I got Wired in the mail for years, and so did I, I loved the so did I. I loved the big articles, but Wired's little columns, little one page regular things, were always so good. And that's the sort of stuff that the web doesn't really do well. And something like texture could bring back, but that ship has probably already sailed because texture also unbundles articles from the magazines they're in. And Apple News unbundles articles from the newspapers they're in. So something like the New York Times still makes it a print product and you can go buy it. But the New York Times also just does a bunch of articles that are like debundled and sort of islands unto themselves. And that's something that's not like that's not going to change. It's not going to go back, right? Because the web changed that permanently. Something like Mac Stories or 512 Pixels has a narrative thread through it, but a lot of our articles it's not are the same. Yeah, a lot of our, you know, you have an article that goes on the front page of Hacker News and 30,000 people read it. Uh, they don't have necessarily all the context of who you are and the website and why you use the iPad or why you collect old Macs. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the piece kind of has to stand on its own. Whereas in the past, if Mac Stories was a monthly magazine, and my God, it would be awesome. You know, like a print version of Mac Stories, like nicely bound, I'm in for that. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you would have all that context because it's in your hands, right? Yeah. You know, a, a Mac Stories magazine with with the Molar Mac on the cover mm. for April, I think, would be mm. a really don't, hot product. But that ship is sailed. Now. Yeah, it's, it's gone. We live in a different time now, and like, it's true. you know, I mean, it doesn't appear to me that the web right, like publishing industry is dying. Right? Like, if that is what is happening, then we're in a different world where, like, then I might want to pay to support nine to five Mac, The Verge, TechCrunch, and you know. So what's happened is it's gone to the extreme. So there's no yeah. there's nobody middle size anymore. There's no local newspaper anymore. There's no magazines the mm-hmm. size of Macworld anymore. It is sites like The Verge and Wired and Tronk, you know, owns a bunch of brands 
And Duh. then and then there's people like me and Federico who are like mm-hmm. single or you know just a few people you know making a decent living at it, but we're not we're not moguls, right? And uh, and Relay FM is a business falls in that second category, not the first. You know we're not some big giant with VC funding and stuff. We're basically a small business producing a lot of content, and the web is what forced that to happen. But in that, there's like a great leveling, right? So yes, the middle ground is gone. But what it gave us was the opportunity for small content creators, small publishers to make a name for themselves. So a guy from Rome with an iPad or a guy from Memphis with a bunch of old Macs could have a worldwide audience. That's what the web gave us. Now, can a texture-powered Apple News subscription like do that again? Uh, probably not. But... It is interesting that these technologies do level the playing field to a degree where the big do get bigger, the rich do get richer, but at the same time, it does allow independents to come in in a way that, like, in the magazine world, Federico and I could not be publishers, right? Like, before the internet, what we do was not possible. Uh, Now it is, uh, but at the same time, like, giants like Vox Media didn't exist either. You know, it's a weird thing that's happened. I think part of my feelings towards this, I can actually look now and realize that the way I feel this way is because of how our businesses run. Like, we are advertising supported. I know that if there was a system where people gave money uh, and got our shows and it wasn't advertising supported, I don't think we would be as successful as a business as we are now. Like, I just don't think that there is enough people that would just pay to get the content. Like, that that's the, the model. Like, we have a membership scheme, which is amazing, but it's a support mechanism right that is a i want to support people and get something extra like if if we said you have to pay to get connected now i don't think that we would make this as much money as we make in advertising i just don't think that that would be the case Mm -hmm. because that's a completely different business model at that point right and like to be able to get that you have to do a lot of things very very differently to how we do them like you need to have a lot of money behind you because you need to market your product. And mm-hmm. we don't do that, right? Yeah. Like it's a very different business. And I think that's why I feel this way where it's like, I just don't see magazines or publications creating content that is completely behind this paywall that they won't release for free elsewhere. And like that they will somehow make a ton of money because they're in Apple's news program. Like it just doesn't yeah. make sense to me that, yeah. that that it will happen that way. Because like I just look at my own business and I, I look at what our numbers are. And I, and I know why we do it the way we do it in the same reason that The Verge isn't a magazine, right? And that Wired is putting all their stuff online. The reason that Macworld shut down their magazine, right? These are the reasons because free with ads will always make more in this type of industry than paid up front. Like if you are producing this kind of content because it's been created under these like pretenses for such a long period of time that it is valued in that way. The same way that people think apps are free because people made them free and now they're valued as free, right? Like that's just what happens if you drive the content towards free with some kind of supporting, typically advertising, then you value it that way. And people like us, we make our businesses based on that and we're fine with it. I have no problem releasing this show for free because it has ads on it, right? Like I, 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 my business is built that way. I have no problem with it. But if I'm going to start saying to people, now you need to pay me, I have to, my business is so different. 
in a way that I just don't think that any publication is going to significantly change their business model to go all in on Apple's news service. And because people won't go all in on it, it won't work. Right, like you will, you people will put the thing on Apple News, and it will cost five dollars, and they'll say, "Oh, but in two weeks' time, it's on our website, mm-hmm. and people will wait, or they won't care." Yeah, yeah, and I, I and I also struggle to imagine how if you are a creator and if you make stuff online, even if you either work for The Verge or you have your own small business like Stephen and I, uh, medium business really. Um, you make a good living, right? Uh, and and you're free to do whatever you want. Why would you want to jump on board with a proprietary system that locks you into a specific platform and it yes. gives you that kind yes. of it gives you a quote unquote advantage in that you gain quote unquote exposure by being on the platform? But then guess what? You're just what about everyone on Android? What about everybody else? And and I cannot yeah. stress this enough. I get emails from people, right? I get emails from people who say I want to start my own blog, but I feel like everybody now has a blog and I don't really I don't really know what I'm supposed to how am I supposed to be different from everybody else at this point and I and I get these comments from people that say maybe I should be on this very specific platform or should I use this plugin and my advice is always no don't use any plugin don't jump on board on any locked in platform there's this crazy beautiful thing called the web and you lets you publish html pages in whatever look or form you want and everybody can read you and then you're free to do whatever you want and that is why i i am uncomfortable every time i have to use a service when it comes to mac stories when it comes to the stuff that you see on my website even the 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 service that handles our membership stuff i am a bit uncomfortable about the fact that that it's not entirely managed by me because what if you know the people at memberful someday they change their minds and they say no no enough with the memberships now we're going to do something else and Jumping on board with these services and saying, we're going to make you read our articles if you give us $5 and they're only on Apple News for three weeks, that is a terrible business decision. And you may love Apple. I like Apple. I like what they do. But I wouldn't put my words and my creations into a platform that, yes, can reach millions of people, but also it's not entirely under your control and it's made by by a corporation that ultimately they don't care about you living in Rome and writing a blog about the iPad. Because not because they're evil, but because it's not in there. You know, it's a they're also running a business, and the business is about not caring about these details. So I don't know. I like. I think we're all kind of in agreement to this. It's like you have to sell this super hard and make it very compelling for it to be something that people will want. And I, history would indicate that that probably won't happen. And. You know, the only way I can see something like this working is if this is bundled as part of a larger subscription that includes something like music and news. Like if you're saying, oh, like, sorry, music and TV, and then it also has this new stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, like, by the way, we've also working with these magazine publishers to provide you this content like then maybe people it might get in front of enough people because they want to get the tv shows or whatever but like a separate subscription just for apple news i think that that is a huge ask to to try and convince people why they would want to, to, to buy that yeah and it's a shame it's a shame right that content is valued this way but it's not a shame that people can make businesses still right like i, I think it's only a real shame if like no one can actually make money writing on the web. Like yeah. that's not the case, right? So it's it's yeah. harder than it used to be, but it's of course. still possible. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything, you know, it always, everything always gets harder and then new things come along, right? Like, I think it's easier to make money in podcasting now than it is in, in writing on the web. That's just because it's a new medium that's come along. And then one day, it's going to be hard to make money in podcasting and it will be like, I don't know, AR programming. Yeah. Relay, relay will, VR, you know, <laughs> relay dot VR. You heard it here first, everyone. But yeah, like, it's just the, the it's just a ch- it's just a change in industry. It's like I agree, it's harder to make money writing online now because I think so many people have tried to do it. It's saturated it, and then there's new models that have come along, like vi- video and audio. They are that's where the money is now, right? So that's just that's just the march of time, and I, and I don't think that Apple premium Apple News is going to be the savior of the industry. I mean, I kind of don't really understand why they're doing it because a paid-for service goes against a lot of what was being said about having trusted news sources or whatever. You don't don't have to pay Apple to get that, right? Like, if the idea is bringing more trusted news sources to the people, you give them that for free, right? You don't make them charge for it. Like, see what I mean? Like, all this stuff is, like, rubbing against each other in ways that doesn't make sense to me. Obviously, because none of it is actually, we don't know anything, right? And it's all just conjecture, but I'm intrigued to see what they do. I hope it doesn't take 45 minutes at WWDC and Drake comes out and like talks about his new article. His new article? Drake Drake is writing an article. Who, who would come out instead, right? Like Malcolm Gladwell or something like comes out wearing Apple sunglasses? I don't know, like... Uh, who knows? Uh, today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Hover. Building your online identity is an important thing. We have just been talking about this, right? Like if you want to start a thing online, if you want to write a blog about whatever you're passionate about, you want to start a podcast to make some money apparently about things that you're passionate about, you can use Hover to get the domain name that you need. Domain names are important because it tells the world, it tells the visitor of your website what the website is about, Right. Relay FM. This is what we are. This is our brand. This is our thing. You can come and you can see us. And FM would indicate to you that maybe audio is involved, right? Like that is a thing that has become over time, right? If you see .net, it's on the internet, right? Federico, that's how that works. That's where you got MacStories.net to tell everyone I'm on the internet. Yes. It's got net. It's right in the name. Yeah. No matter well, what you want to do, domain names are important. It shows people what you want them to see when they come to your website. The great thing about Hover is that they also keep domains separate from your hosting. So you never have to get stuck with a hosting service that doesn't meet your needs. I love that. And they also, if you want to connect with hosting services, they make it really, really easy to do. They connect with a bunch of different features. They have a feature called Hover Connect. You can connect your domain name to website builders, to different hosting platforms, to whatever, in just a couple of clicks. You don't have to be messing around in domain settings with CNames, which I... I have taken down websites for like seven to eight days in the past because I got that sort of stuff wrong, which is waiting for DNS to propagate. Turns out it never did because I typed a numbering incorrectly. With Hover, you don't have to worry about any of that. You get free who is privacy so bad, bad guys don't get your information. And you have literally hundreds of domain name extensions to choose from, including all the classics and some fun and niche and weird extensions that are out there available to you right now. If you want to show the world what you're passionate about, Hover is there to help you make the first step. Go to hover.com slash connected right now and you'll get 10% off your first purchase and grab that domain name that you've been looking for. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. So there were some app updates today that uh, I liked the look of. And of course, if there is a cool app update in the world, you can find the coverage of that over at the internet website, Mac Stories. Mm-hmm. 
which is on the um, internet. A couple of them. It's on the internet. That's why you got the .net. Yeah, yeah. I know. I understand how this stuff yeah, yeah. works. Okay. That's how the internet works. <laughs> okay, okay. I, under- I get it. I get it. It's like MikeHurley.net. I'm on the internet. Yes. Right? Like, <laughs> that's what it means. Um, drag and drop support in Dropbox. It's a long time coming, but they've implemented it pretty well. When the I saw the app update, I was like, oh, this is just going to be one of those things where I'm able to drag and drop stuff around inside of the application, which is useful because sometimes... When files app fails me, I go to Dropbox and I'm always frustrated by like hitting the dots and hitting move and then going through all the different files. But now you can drag and drop stuff around inside of Dropbox, but also in and out of the application as well, which I was really happy about because there was, you know, I was thinking, are they going to pull a Google on me? But no, they did not. So you can drag files in and out. And how have you found that, Federico? I'm sure that you were uh, excited about this too. Yeah, I think it works nicely. Um... At first, I had some issues, but then it worked fine. Uh, I was able to export um, text files. They export it as the full text content of the document, uh, images, screenshots. Uh, I haven't tried with audio uh, and video files because those are heavy, and I feel like that was going to break something. But it works really nicely. You can do. You can import documents from other apps into Dropbox. You can manage files within the Dropbox UI, and then you can export them. So I tried to uh, share them to mail to messages to Gladys which is the shelf app that I use and it worked really really nicely so uh, good Keep job magazines in there right that's what that that's what that means it's a magazine app it's a, it's a magazine it's, it's a, a magazine app where I uh-huh. print out copies of 512 pixels as <laughs> in magazine <laughs> form bind them together <laughs> and I just bind them together and I read Steven's words as a magazine every yeah, every magazine. six months I catch up on the entire yeah. 512 pixels <laughs> oh, come on <laughs> 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 try here man I need to be I need to be cut up. <laughs> he does it on the 5th of December and on the 12th of May. Yeah. That's when he does it. Mm-hmm. It's just only then. I got to pick 512 day no matter what uh date format you use. If you use the correct mm-hmm. one or the incorrect one, I'll let you decide which is which. Have you ever wondered why I ask you about everything about your articles at WWDC? <laughs> it's because I'm fresh from my read through. <laughs> 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 oh boy <laughs> yeah. oh no um, Zapier support added for things things 3.5 it brought a bunch of refinements yeah, I mean kind including <laughs> Zapier support <laughs> why, <laughs> why, why, what's the problem it, they're using T- the mail to things feature Oof. so it's, it's not like Oof. there's it, a things API <laughs> yeah because mm. they have so they have their own sync engine so at some point they could do that if they wanted to, right? Yes. It's not like they're stuck in, I, in an iCloud container somewhere no. that you can't get to. Right, right. So hopefully that's coming. Like, do you have any indication that, that they may be looking at that at some point? Or do you no. think this is it? I don't. I don't. But, I mean, technically it's possible, but also technically I could fly somehow. Um, so um, If you strap wings big enough to I mean, yourself, exactly, you could fly. Exactly. I, I could. Yeah. Uh, but I don't have any indication of that. Um so the you know we are making so many people angry like just you know like developers and just people that write mag everyone's going to be mad at us this week uh, Stephen. i'm sorry about your email i mean if you have an opinion someone is going to be upset so uh that's you know, true so what, true. What, what what do we need to do here um Nothing. Th- uh <laughs> things 3.5 <laughs> i think it's interesting because they are um so i was taking a look at the release notes um 
they fix a lot of uh, weird UI inconsistencies and glitches. They made a bunch of things better. So the widget is cleaner. It's got uh, like these icons that inform you whether something is due during the day or in the evening. There's a bunch of changes to the automation stuff that they did with version 3.4. So now you can update in addition to create data inside of things. You can update um, existing tasks and existing projects. That's really, uh, really a good idea. Um, there's uh, changes to the way the tagging works. So there's a search bar that allows you to search for a tag and also create a new one if it doesn't exist. When you search for tags, uh, you also see the nested ones uh, inside the main one if it's a tag group, I think it's the name. So there's a bunch of things that uh, th they actually call this, I think, in, in their blog post, the Spit and Polish release, because they, they... That's definitely why that phrase was in my head. I yes. said Spit and Polish yes. earlier. I thought so. And I've thought I to thought myself, so. why did I say that? I, that and was my because guess. I read that... <laughs> wow. Yeah. Brains, is, brains is just stupid things, <laughs> aren't they, really? They're just, yeah. mm -hmm. just like sponges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was why I said that. Okay, interesting. I am looking forward to see whether they... Now that they've done these two things, so with version 3.4, they did automation. And with 3.5, they kind of polished everything up. So it feels to me as if they are ready for um, kind of track tackling something big in, in the next mm -hmm. release because they took care of the foundation a little bit. And now... I mean, I would love to see some iPad updates because things on the iPad is fine, but it uh, it could be so much more. It doesn't really take advantage of the iPad in any meaningful ways. There's a lot of white space. There's no real drag-and-drop support. You can drop stuff in, but you cannot manage via drag native drag-and-drop and you cannot export via drag-and-drop. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of things that they could borrow from the Mac and bring them to the iPad. So, so we'll see. But the big app... Today, uh, it's a kind of update, kind of new release, right? It's uh, Drafts 5. And I was listening to uh, Upgrade this week, and uh, Merlin was filling mm -hmm. in for me, and yeah. he was uh, waxing lyrical about Drafts 5, uh, but it was on its way out. It, the app is now out today, and there is a huge review over at Max Stories, mm -hmm. which I'm assuming if it's a huge review, surely Federico wrote it, nope. right? Doesn't he write all the big reviews? It wasn't you, Federico? <laughs> it wasn't me. Well, well. Yeah, I was approached uh, last year. Uh, we looked in the mm -hmm. original email thread. It was in May 2017. So Tim, and I'm going to get his last name wrong, Nahumk? I'm, I'm not sure how to say this last name. Um, how would you say, Mike? Like you just did. I mean, honestly, like that. this is one of those names, and Tim knows this. Tim has lived his entire life having people pronounce his name incorrectly, okay. right? Surely. It's N-A-H-U-M-C-K, because that U-M-C-K sound, that like isn't a sound in like in English, right? I can't think of any word in the English language that has those collection of characters next to each other, mm -hmm. yeah. right? No, I guess it's like that. No, hunk. Yeah. But anyway, okay. so yes, don't feel bad about it. Yeah. I, I would expect. So Tim approached sure me. Uh, Tim is is the the person that knows the most about drafts. I mean, besides Greg Pierce, the developer. Um, He's like the Federico Vitici of workflow. Okay. Yeah. Right? That, that's I I suppose that's a way to to put yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's passionate about it. He he wrote about. Uh, what he wanted to see in drafts five, he had a, like a concept slash wish list article two mm -hmm. years ago. And if you look at his original wish list, it's uh, very close to what we actually got. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> so uh, he, he knows drafts in and out, and he approached me last year and was like, "I I know that Greg has started working on this, and I and I would love to write about it for Mac stories." I was like, "Yes, uh, I I would love it if if you took care of this for a couple of reasons. One, because I I I'm sort of um, I'm moving to a model or to a kind of setup for Mac stories where I want to have like my like a sort of teen. I want to find new talent for mm -hmm. people that are really passionate about specific topics and to bring them in and to have, there's a word for this that I'm missing, like an incubator, but it's not really an incubator. I mean, it's not like a physical official place, but I want Mac stories You're to like be- You're like a mother hen. Yeah. You want to incubate. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. That's what I do. Uh, <laughs> but I, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of apps that are really popular that I don't use. And that I will. <laughs> Tim has tweeted at us. It's uh, Nahumic. Oh, really? There you go. Okay. Real time follow up. Nahumic. Nahumic. Okay. Nahumic. Nah. Nahumic. There you go. It's like Nahumic. There you go. We got it. Okay, great. It's like, do you want a snack? Nah, hummus. Nahumic. Again, every time we do this, what if it's French? And it's Nahumik, or what if? What See if? now we're not uh, sure anyway, anymore. Anyway, to 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 sum it up, uh, team knows a lot about drafts. I want to have people who know a lot about stuff that I don't use, right? For Mac stories, so it was a perfect mm -hmm. plan. And he worked on this review for months. It's out today. It's uh, it's on four pages on the site. If you're a Club Mac stories member, you can get the ebook version. Um, there's a ton of actions that you can download and steal because team made those available for you. And I'm actually doing this because I, I don't know a lot about. Drafts five, uh, and I'm sort of I downloaded all of Teams actions and I'm modifying them to my needs. It's really fun. But I wanted to tell you, Mike, that I listened to Upgrade and and um, Merlin said I don't want to get in the specifics of Drafts five, and that was an excellent discussion. But I do want to get in the specific um, features of this. this version. I want to talk about the this specifics. This is the relay of relay, right? So like Merlin set it up and he passed it over to you and now you're going to like yes. just give us some specifics. Yes. So there's a few features that I want to highlight. And the first one, okay. and it's the, uh, it's the big focus of the review, is the idea of um, drafts being a modular uh, app. This is not about Mac Pro. So if you're a Mac user and the word modular uh, uh, is uh, some kind of trigger for you, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is not about <laughs> processors and RAM and storage, whatever. Uh, could be. If you want it to be. <laughs> I mean, sure, anything could you know? be modular if could you be. really want to. Um, yeah, if you just cut it up into pieces <laughs> and put it back together. Can again. you cut an app into pieces? I, I don't know. Modular is more of a of a con emotional concept than it is. Modular is a state of mind. <laughs> it's <a> st <laughs> <laughs> it is it is for Matt Pro owners. Oh. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> the, the, um, <laughs> the, we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't worry. Hold on, sorry, I'm laughing too much. <laughs> we'll get there. It's okay. You know, everyone's sticking around for the, for the draft tips. There's this feature called workspaces that basically means you can create saved views um, that 
require you to modify a bunch of settings. So like you can say, I want to see all my drafts that have the tag, which is a new feature. You can now tag your notes that have the tag um, articles and I want to sort them by creation date and I want to hide the preview. So like in the Finder on the Mac, for example, you can have different types of views. Now you can save these views in drafts and you, and you call them workspaces and you can switch between them from the main sidebar. And the idea... I think we need to back up like just two steps and just like sure. very quickly give an overview of what drafts oh, is. It's a, it's a like, note-taking app. It's like, it's a note-taking app that allows you, and that what's always made it so powerful and the reason that people like it is it is a simple view where you can put any text, but then the power comes in what you can then do with that text, like sending it yes. to different services, manipulating it in different ways. So like, for example, if you had an articles workspace, it may be anything you type in here, there are a bunch of predefined actions that can send it to a certain place, send it to a certain person, that kind of thing. So you might write a paragraph and then send it to another application to append it to something or send it to, to your editor or something, right? Like yeah. that might be what you might want to have predefined find actions to take on a snippet of text. Yeah, so the, the workspaces now allow you to set up different spaces in the app for uh, whether it's writing quick notes or long-form articles or uh, like a journal, for example. You can journal in drafts and you can switch between work, workspaces on the left and you can switch between action groups on the right side. So this was already possible in the, in the previous version of drafts, but now it's easier mm -hmm. and it's done better on the iPad. You can actually um, uh, pin... Uh, one of the two sidebars in there on the uh, either on the left or the right there's a divider that you That's can nice. tap and you can have like a multi-column view which is really nice and this idea of using the same app for different purposes and having a built-in way to switch between these spaces and these action groups i think it's really powerful and it and it, it the drafts is walking this fine line of being a minimalistic note-taking app and doing a lot of things all at once. Um, and I think it's really clever in how this design helps that kind of balance in that you open the app, it's still a blank page, but then if you know what you're doing, you can switch views and you can switch actions, you can have action groups, it's really well done, it's really balanced. Uh, that's one of uh, the impressions that I have from version 5. Other features... Um, scripting uh the scripting engine so this is not necessary you don't have to write any script if you don't want to but if you know javascript and if you read through the documentation of drafts 5 it's kind of amazing uh, so drafts now includes a, a complete implementation of javascript core which i believe it's the javascript um interpreter engine i don't know what the word correct word is it's basically the same engine that's inside ios now you can use it in drafts and in addition to that so you can use standard javascript and create script actions so little scripts that do stuff for your text but in addition to that uh, Greg Pierce, the developer, he created um, a bunch of uh, custom modules. So um, JavaScript-like modules and objects for app-specific features. So like you can script the editor itself, the page of 
the, the app. You can script uh, the system clipboard. You can script the UI. So you can make your own menus. You can make your own prompts. And those can have date pickers and checkboxes and text views. It's kind of like writing mini apps. And it's an idea that um, Editorial and Pythonista kind of pioneered years ago. This idea of letting you create native UI kit stuff with, with, a, with a few lines of custom code. And now you can do the same in Jazz 5. And it's really powerful. I've been playing around with these custom prompts. Um, it's a really it's it's a beautiful idea to let you make your own stuff without the overhead of Xcode and you know you're not making real full apps but you're making custom interfaces which is fascinating. Um, there's a focus mode so you can focus on the note that you're writing without having to you know going back to the main sidebar to switch notes. There's a syntax highlighting for Markdown, JavaScript, Task Paper, uh, other formats that I don't remember. There's a um, this Apple Watch app, Mike, you're going to like this. So you can configure the drafts app on the watch with a complication that as soon as you tap it, you go into dictation mode and you can just start talking immediately. So you tap it. Oh, I do. You tap it like on the that. watch face and you talk. You speak You speak text and it gets saved in drafts. And the, the next time you open the iPhone app, you, you will see your, your drafting there. And I believe... So there's a question I have for you. Is it possible for me to have the watch app automatically do something with the text that I enter? Um, there's something that you can do, which is you can automatically tag your Apple Watch notes with a specific tag so that later mm -hmm. you can go on the iPhone or the iPad and see just the notes that you created from the watch. Okay. I mean, that's something. Like, I was thinking, like, obviously, you know, there are so many actions you can do to specific text. Like, wouldn't it be nice if I could... Yeah. yeah, you can do that. Mm. It's kind of like okay. there. You can you can uh, add the text to the bottom or before. You can delete. Uh, there's a you can tap on on a note and you open the the, the plain text view on the watch essentially. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of buttons at the bottom that let you let, let you do stuff. Um, cool. And there's a lot more features. Honestly, you should just read the review. But there's this. It seems huge. Yes. Like. Like almost like scarily, yes, and complicated and big. That's the point that I wanted to make. So, I remember when Drafts 1.0 came out, and it was literally a notepad with 10 actions, maybe like Twitter, um, clipboard, like yeah. super minimal email, email yeah, messages, like just, uh, just, super yeah. minimal notepad. And you can still use it that way, right? Like none of that's been taken away and the app begins that way, right? Like it is set up the same, yeah. basically. But I uh, now with version 5, it is so flexible. You, you can, if you want to, you can use drafts as a text editor in the sense that you can replace Ulysses with with this. It's not gonna be as yeah. um as full featured as Ulysses when it comes to stuff like. Well, but you <laughs> turns out you can build a lot of that stuff yourself, right? Like you can build the, a lot of features, which is really interesting, right? I know obviously it's never gonna have everything, but you know, I I like surprise twists, and the twist that I've been keeping for this entire segment is that the things article that I published today on Mac Stories was entirely put together with drafts. And huh. it was fine. I mean, I took I took a couple of hours last night to set up a bunch of workflows, and I realized mm -hmm. 
so I was script, I was doing scripts, I was doing like all these custom actions, and then I realized, you know what I'm doing here? I'm replicating the same workflows that I put together in editorial five years ago, and because my footnote workflow oh. and my find and replace stuff. Um, my now that is very interesting, <laughs> right? Because editorial is is feels basically dead at this yep. point. Yeah. Whilst drafts, when oh. you want the if you want the pro stuff, which I can I think is an amazing move by Greg, you pay monthly for it. Like that makes so much sense to me, and I'm really pleased that he's doing that. Right, like, like the app is free, right, and then you pay for pro features, and those pro features even include stuff like themes, which is great for like maybe more casual users if you want the app to be black, right, which I would want. Um, so I pay for that, but then you get all of this incredibly complex and and powerful stuff, right. So I yeah. like that. Yeah. So I'm. I don't. I mean, I'm still using Ulysses because I've built so much automation on top of Ulysses uh, with workflow, especially uh, in the past year. Um, but the idea of it's a mod. It's a modern editorial. It, as you can imagine, is really intriguing for me. Um, and especially, yeah. it also has a, a, a very clean and modern design yes, as well. Yes. Um, I I actually really like some of the stuff that Greg has done. Um, especially he uses a lot of like the iOS 11 headers and stuff in places, uh, which makes the app feel now, which do I do like you want, do you too. want an extra teachy tip, Mike? I always want, if you go into the drafts settings, um, because it uses a, a native font menu, you can use custom fonts. So I'm using San Francisco Mono huh. as my font in drafts. Uh, Very nice. Yeah, it looks really nice. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I, I feel like I need to to spend time. Yeah. With this application, and like th- there was something that Max Temkin tweeted to you today, which is how I always feel. I I completely feel how Max feels. Like I can see this app is amazing. I feel like I need a, like a one on one where someone can just like show me like how can my life be better in using an application like this and i did this with workflow right like Mm -hmm. i spent some significant time on my own and with your help understanding the application to the point now where i'm not a power user like you but i can build and have built many of my own workflows now because i spent the time to Mm -hmm. understand what the app can do and i feel like i could do that with drafts as well right but i guess one of the other and like workflow it has there is a directory of stuff too, right? Yes, you can go on the new website, which I think it's called getdrafts.com. And there's a mm-hmm. ton of links and pages and documentation that you can read through. And there's the action directory where you can go and download stuff from other people. Yeah, I see it. The sharing is now easier in drafts. So you're not forced to create multiple versions of an action every time you make a modification. You keep the same link. So you can share a link with people and just tell them, look, the action has been updated if you if you fix something or, you know, make a change to the action. Uh, anyway, it's a really beautiful update. There's a uh, It's a subscription-based now, so you, you know, go check it out. It, there's a free trial, and you need to understand whether this is something useful for you or not. And I want to just sum it up by saying that this idea of it's a single app that can be the notepad that I open, I save something, and I'm done, and a text editor for my articles and markdown stuff at the same time with automation and with scripting. This is really intriguing for me 
really intriguing and I'm gonna be playing around with this uh, I don't know uh, so now I'm gonna get tweets from people are you switching to drafts I don't know this this is gonna take me months because I have a, a really established workflow in Ulysses but I'm, I'm intrigued so yeah you should go check it out because it's pretty it's pretty cool I'm gonna read this review and spend some time of it I wanna play around a bit I, I, even just the watch stuff could be really useful for me um, even though I, I do like just is it just press record? I always think I was getting the name wrong in my head. I think just press record. I like that app a lot because the audio is good. But there's there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. Plus, Greg is great, and I'm I'm really pleased to see drafts continue to get this level of focus. and And I'm I think that this is a great candidate for a subscription. Like I think this is the perfect like when this was originally announced, like the Apple subscription model that they were bringing in. Mm-hmm. This always felt like a perfect kind of app, like a very niche app that people that use it really care about it, right? Like that if you use this application, like it's it's not for absolutely everyone in the world, but it's for a significant amount of people that if they paid for it on a monthly basis could could support its development for a long time. And I think that that's great. And I hope that that's what happens. Yeah. So yeah, Drafts 5. And there's a great review by Tim Come on. <laughs> nah Hummus. <laughs> That's all I think about now is Nah Hummus because that was great. Nah Hummock on uh, Mac Stories. Uh, as he, Tim has been, is, is, what is he? He's like broken out from the eggshell of Mac Stories. That's it, right? Because of the incubator? Tim is awesome. Yes, Tim is awesome. You should go follow him on Twitter. He's a, he's a great guy and he's, and he's passionate about, okay. about this. And I love it when, I, you know, when, when someone really likes something, you can feel it and it's contagious. It's, 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 it's a mm-hmm. beautiful feeling when someone is really passionate about a product or about a teaching other people to do stuff. And that's... Uh, I just did what you said. I just followed him on Twitter. I awesome. do exactly Perfect. as you tell me. Perfect. I did it. I've done it. All done. Okay. You can really tell this is his uh, this is his thing, like making this stuff work. It is. It's exciting to read. I mean, I, Frederick, I'm kind of like you. Like drafts hasn't really ever clicked for me, but uh, I'm excited about this. I've got it on my phone, my iPad, and I'm looking to di- looking forward to digging in. If you want to find our show notes for this week, it includes links to practically everything we've spoken Whoa. about. Whoa! Stephen's really excited about something. Are you are you overthrowing my government? Oh. What are you doing? Oh. Whoa. Whoa. Hey. <laughs> ha. Step back, son. <laughs> Who is this? Who, who am I? What have you done, I'm, Mike? <laughs> I've lost my mind at this point. <laughs> I'm going to leave now. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Mike's gone. I think what Mike was trying to do was to end the show, but he's forgotten. Maybe you just weren't doing your job well point. enough. Because, like... I don't know. We were ending. Uh, Usually we like, hey, is that no, it? But like, you just went, you it's way right better it. if you just come in with the clothes, right? Then, like, everyone goes, hey, is there anything else? We yeah. clearly finished. We all see the document. We know there was nothing else. Unless, actually, do you want me to start talking about GDPR? Because, like, it's next. All right, so... <laughs> that's, that's been in the document for a, a long time. Right? Is this what you want me to do now? You want me to start doing this topic? No, we'll okay. talk about that next time. Dad, dad and dad are fighting. <laughs> 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 if you want to find show notes this week you can do so on the website relay.fm slash connected slash 189 while you're there you can do a bunch of stuff you can become a member and support the show we're advertising based but membership money helps to support us directly uh, it'd be super awesome if you signed up you can send us an email as well with any follow up or praise oh. or you know, gifts That's you think good. that I would enjoy. You, you put out into the world what you want to receive, right? Yeah. Yes. 
And I'm saying, if you send me negative email, I'll read it, but then I'll be sad. But if you send me positive email, I'll read it, and then I'll be happy. And then you might get reply, too. Uh, I, I reply to almost every email we get. I spend, I spend, I value that conversation with our audience. You just broke the heart of the person whose email you didn't reply to. I know. I'm really sorry, <laughs> that one person. If you want to find us on Twitter, where we can throw a heart mm-hmm. your way, or a star, or reply, or retweet, you can Oof. do that as well. Mike is I M Y. K-E. And Mike hosts a bunch of great shows on Relay.fm. Go check him out. If you like this show, I promise you'll find something else that you love as well. You can find Federico at V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And he is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. It's like a magazine, but in your web browser. It's amazing. It's the mother hen. You can find, you can find me on Twitter as ISMH. And uh, if Mac Stories is a magazine, then 512 Pixels is some sort of stone tablet. <laughs> Are you Moses? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Maybe. I'm going to grow my beard back and my hair's longer. I mean, we were joking that you were old, but not that old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. If uh, <laughs> uh, So that's how you get in touch with us. We like to thank our sponsors this week, Linode, Pingdom, and Hover. They make this show possible. And finally... After about four hours on Skype, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.